Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to the very first episode of what I assume will be an amazing new life-changing series, Ozu Exploitation. I'm your host, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Thomas Rosilio, and I'm joined here today by my very first guest, if they would like to introduce themselves. Hi, uh, my name is Leo Bergmiller. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel, it. I feel, you don't believe it? Oh man, shit, I gotta prove myself. Uh, I, I want to start off by saying I apologize for what happened about 15 seconds ago, which was I didn't know we were recording yet, so I started talking while you started, but you know, it's all good. We keep this bitch oh, rolling. okay. I mean, we can just we can just edit you out of everything, and I'll be talking to nobody. You know what? That's I'll probably that's probably the best thing that can be done with this podcast, if you ask me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm we'll honored just... to be here. Yes, I think it's better if we just have 40 minutes of dead air, and then at the end we suddenly cut back in, right halfway through a conversation. I'm here for it. You know what? <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be a good like avant-garde. Um way of i don't know articulating points that we might need to articulate later on but yeah we'll be like we'll be sort of reflecting uh yeah. our very <laughs> own experience <laughs> oh we'll be man making our own you know sort of um sweet sweet back uh, oh. uh into a real podcast but exactly you might be uh wondering at this point what is this what are we doing here why did Those i have are... this idea Ozu exploitation. What the hell does that mean? Ozu exploitation. That sounds like a rectal disease. No, <laughs> it's not. It's a. It's an all new concept I came up with. Where every other week I will discuss one film from the great filmography of transcendental Japanese director Yasujiro Ozu, and one film from the incredible black exploitation genre with a guest or two guests or who knows. We'll provide background to the movies, insightful analysis, and our own personal reactions to each one. Then compare and contrast them. Basically, I wanted to take the seemingly furthest apart filmmaking styles and see what could possibly overlap between the two. Uh, Some might say it's a joke, but I sincerely hope that each episode will provide something interesting and new. Uh, Some episodes will be funny, some educational, some just chill discussion and observation. We'll discuss a lot of diverse topics, um, so maybe you might want to come in with some filmmaking knowledge, but it's really not that essential to understanding what we're going to be talking about. Um, And be warned, this is going to be a spoiler discussion for sure, but I would still encourage you to listen to this first anyway, since it could be a good primer for these movies. For our first episode, um, I decided to go big or go home and do the most famous Ozu film of all time, Tokyo Story, Woo-hoo! as well as the very first black exploitation film ever, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Oh, some man. say it is the first, some say Shaft is the first. I chose Sweetback because it looked... Like it would be more uh, intriguing. Uh, oh man, was it? Leo, we had quite the experience to this film, didn't we? We sure did. And I, as we were saying, I am so happy we watched it on a call together. 
Because, well, I think that was our first time ever, like, speaking to each other, so that was kind of interesting. But also, I think we both would have been losing our fucking minds if we watched it alone. Like, it it would have just been cinematic, like, gaslighting. Like, is this real? Am I real? What the fuck is going on right now? It was nice to have somebody to reach out to, to just confirm reality was still a thing. exactly. We became yeah. blood brothers that night. <laughs> I, I would say so. I think we have a bond that is... <laughs> now we have a bond that is unmatched by anyone that I will maybe ever meet in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, um, you just never go back from that feeling no. of your first time seeing Sweet Sweet back. I don't think but, you can. <laughs> but, yeah... Anyway, we we'll get more into Sweet Sweetback later and we sort will. of explain um, why we just uh, had that reaction we were talking about. Yeah. First up is uh, the classic Japanese masterpiece, Tokyo Story. Um, and Leo, if you want to like give us a quick premise real quick and talk about the importance of this film, because I know this is like one of your favorite movies ever. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Tokyo Story, like you were alluding to earlier, is a 1953 art house film by uh, one of the great masters of all cinema, as some would say, Yasujiro Ozu. Um, it is the story of an elderly couple who live in a small town in Japan who travel to Tokyo to spend time with their family. They have um, a son and a daughter there. Um, Well, okay, so actually at home they live with their youngest daughter, who is still, I I believe, in school. She's, like, in college or something. And so Mm. they go to Tokyo to visit their children and their children's families. And there isn't really much that happens aside from we just see them interact and we see how the children have kind of distance themselves from their parents and how they are busy Mm. with their own lives and it seems like maybe they don't give their parents the sort of appreciation and love that they're longing for but of course they're never going to be expressive about but also so they have five kids they have one other son who we don't see until the end of the film but um Mm. their middle son died in a war well they presume he's been missing for eight years in tokyo they see his widowed wife um and she who like she spends a lot of time with them and she is by far the most caring towards them like the most um Mm. caring about them and i don't know i feel like i'm articulating this badly but um yeah to say the least it is no i think you're doing a good job thank you it is um an incredibly important and influential um film it has been highly regarded by Many uh, critic and film lovers is one of the greats of all time. In the 2012 Sight and Sound poll, it ranked number three of all time on the critics list and number one on the director's list. So it's a little bit Mm. of a big deal. We decided to watch it and, you know, like you said, compare it to exploitation because what makes more sense than those two, right? They're very similar scenes. They're very similar movies, I should say. Yeah. Uh, Let's say that. I think it's... I think it's um I think Tokyo Story is great. I now hold now some say it's amazing. I I agree in some ways. Mm. I mean, it's hard to deny the sort of reputation around it and a lot of the accomplishments both technical and thematic in the film. Mm-hmm. Um but I find that a lot of the first um hour and a half doesn't really 
connect with me as much as I want it to. Gotcha. I think I feel like um, uh, it gets kind of repetitive in that span of time where you see uh, them sort of reject the parents over and over again. Mm-hmm. Say uh, so, yeah. They come, like you said, they come into town and they want their kids to take them out and do things, um, but the kids are too busy, as you said, and they never get the chance to actually go out and do something meaningful and make some memories. Well, in the, like the twilight years of their lives. Yeah. Um, very, very early on, we get this sort of feeling from it when there's the scene where um, their eldest son, I think Koichi, um, has to take a house call. Um, and you very quickly get it right away, you know, oh, they don't have enough time for them. Yeah. Uh, but then this is this kind of um, is is just harped on a little too much for my taste. Okay. It's still very enjoyable. I'm not against it, uh, but it, it is a real little bit repetitive in the plotting for me. Um, what really sort of it carries um, these early parts um, is their relationship with the widow of their one son that was you know killed in wartime yeah Enrico is her name yeah pretty famous she's like you know uh a character she plays this sort of character in every film um Satsukahara is the yeah. main is the name of the actress yeah um and you really just sense that uh that despite her sort of inner turmoil um which is kind of revealed later on in the film that she has a genuine connection with them and it, it just shines through every moment of the film. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think one important thing we haven't mentioned yet, and I guess it's a, a good um, thing to describe when you're talking about the first hour and a half versus the last hour, because this is two and a half hours long, is that um, near the end of the movie, I don't want to say at the end, but, you know, like the last third or so, the parents mm-hmm. go back to their hometown and the mother catches a very deadly illness. And I guess this is a spoiler discussion for... Tokyo story. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's yeah, <laughs> so many crazy plot points to spoil in Tokyo story, but, um, yeah, they, they, it's a seven year old movie, man. Yeah. You know, I guess so. But, um, <laughs> they go back home and then the mother becomes incredibly ill and the kids find out and they all visit. And by the time they visit very short after, um, the mom passes away and there is absolutely periods of mourning, but um, one of the most telling parts of the movie, and obviously this whole part of the movie is without a doubt the most emotionally riveting. And I, of, mm-hmm. of course, that's by, <coughs> excuse me, of course by design. Like that's kind of the point. And you you see how quickly some of the kids, um, or their their oldest kids, who's the 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 ones in um, Tokyo, how how they kind of get over it and how they process it and how. Very quickly, the oldest daughter is kind of negotiating the practic, the logistics. Like, all right, who's going to get this? Who's going to stay here? And yeah. the um, like, who you have your morning clothes, like, um, you know, or like M O U R N morning. But, she is um, especially cruel throughout yeah. the whole film. Yeah, uh, well, cruel, cruel for an Ozu film because I think what's so great <laughs> about this movie, and I guess we can start talking about my thoughts, is, and this goes with a lot of his films, is that mm-hmm. like there's it's the opposite of melodrama like it's it's drama in the most humane way where you feel there are emotions but they're never emphasized and like they're never necessarily building to something artificial it's just like so completely human and i get why Mm -hmm. that would you know 
Like, I'm not saying it puts you off or anything, but that is absolutely a balancing act, especially when it is such a long movie, that so much of the beginning, there's very little eventfulness going on. You're just kind of Mm -hmm. seeing, like, you're just, it's, you're kind of letting it wash over you, but you're just kind of seeing these parents just, you know, be around Tokyo, be around their um, family, just them catching up, um, you know, be around, Mm -hmm. again, their um, daughter-in-law, and all that and yeah i don't know i just like find it so it's like so fundamental in a way he's like stripping away any sort of artifice and like that's very reflected in his um cinematic style as well because the camera i think moves one time everything else is a completely like just static shot and so everything is very low everything is um, perfectly in focus and it's just a straight shot of drama happening or it's a close-up of um their faces another interesting thing about the Sorry, I feel like I'm talking for a while, but the interesting thing about the cinematic style is um, every time you have a conversation, they break the what they call the 180 rule, where like the camera is on one side of the characters, mm. and so you normally have like when you're doing a conversation, it's over the shoulder, or the camera is almost as if it's in a third person looking back and forth, and the people are at different angles. Every single person when they're talking, if they're not in a wide shot, is just straight on filmed, mm. and I think all of this, he's just like going out of his way to just make this as like about the characters as humanly possible, but not in a way that is like uh, heightened and Shakespearean. It's the opposite. Everything is so dialed down in the most human way. And I think, um, I don't know. I just think that's really powerful. And I think it's really mature. And the more I watch this movie, I appreciate it. And it's that kind of movie where I'm sitting there and I'm watching it. And I love it. Obviously, like we've said, it's like my top 10 of all time. But I know as I watch it when I get older, like when I'm an adult, like if I'm like a grandparent and I watch this, this is going to absolutely wreck me every single time. Like it is definitely going to grow. You know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Oh, oh, dude. I I can only imagine what this will feel like when my kids hate me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But to your point that it's not a melodrama, it is a mellow drama. Yes. 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 (laughs) That's true. But, um, yeah, there aren't many camera movements in this film. Nope. It's it's like you said, it's totally sort of uncinematic in a really sort of potent way mm-hmm. where each shot is sort of brimming with like emotion, but you can't reach out and sort of change the angle, uh, uh, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. But I do want to mention the camera does move twice actually oh my bad Um, and that's one of ozu's rules is that um and this is something that'll come up again and again on the podcast i assume Mm -hmm. but um every single camera movement has to be accompanied by another camera movement that mirrors it um okay now the one you're thinking of happens in the scene where they're sitting um and it pans from left to right over from behind a building um Mm -hmm. well later in that scene they actually walk up to uh, a sort of railing and they walk across it and the, mo- the camera moves from right to left mm-hmm. um, so just some nerdy film no no i, I appreciate it. it i feel like that's something i, I should have known I, I feel ashamed now yeah i'm going to out you to everybody through this podcast that's the only reason i did this i got you <laughs> if i if i didn't embarrass myself enough by just speaking to people you know i guess this is the nail yeah. in the coffin but you're completely right about the pacing. I, um, despite my reservations about some of the repetitive plotting, I feel like if we didn't have that 
first like hour and a half or so then the the, the last hour would be like it wouldn't be nearly as meaningful yeah for especially sure. the scene that stuck out to me the most this time around because i've seen this like three times now mm. um was the scene where he goes out with his old drinking buddies um, yeah because this is the one time we see them sort of away from the family dynamic mm -hmm. um and you sort of get to see what he was like really like when he was younger um mm -hmm. or at least him reminiscing about what he was like when he was younger and how yeah. that sort of disappears over time um because that's what the whole movie is really about how all these bonds you build up with this whether it's with your family or the friends you meet it's how they sort of disappear um mm -hmm. especially in you know post-war japan yeah all places sure. where their culture was kind of disappearing minute by minute yeah so oh yeah it's just it's just really um mature i guess is a good way of putting it but never in a way that feels like ozu is ever talking down to you no and i feel like not. um to somebody who's never seen one of his films before it could feel like he's talking down to you because he is taking this sort of strip back style yeah but i think it's more so to just lay the emotions bare <laughs> which sounds yeah. funny because like everybody is kind of emotionless but it makes sense if you read into <laughs> the subtext he presents yeah exactly and i think in a way like um what was i gonna say yeah like uh using the word mature like i i don't i hesitate to say mature because it seemed like might seem to some people as if it's like oh, it just means that some people, you know, might be too young. It's, like, too sophisticated. It's not sophisticated at all. It's it's mature in, like, a wise way. Like, he's just yeah. so, like, insightfully looking at people in, like, an incredibly raw and unjudgmental way. Because this this type of story could be told in a way where the parents, like, they, the kids, like, hate their parents, and the parents, you know, are, like, boiling, like, below the surface, and there's a big explosive moment, and it's never that. It's very quiet. The, the kids still love their parents. They just don't necessarily yeah. appreciate they just them. don't have the same... Yeah, exactly. And, and it's so not black and white because, like, again, you just think plot points are going to happen. Like, oh, my God, are, are they are they, are they never going to take them out? Like, they said they would take them out. But it's like, oh, wait, they do. Never mind. Okay, we, we figured that one out. And it's fine. The only plot point that yeah. happens is just in the end, the, the mother passes away. And it's handled so subtly. And there and there's, like, there's there's no... It, it's, like, almost never insisting emotion. There's barely any score. I feel like the scores are only, like in like pillow shots and and the the term pillow mm -hmm. shot is another um ozu hallmark where he kind of just in between scenes and moments he'll just um almost like let you breathe like you just kind of relax by just showing these shots of nature or surroundings and they never really have anything mm -hmm. to do with the plot or anything it's just adding texture to the world and mm -hmm. it's it's hard to give them any sort of like thematic a purpose aside from just like I don't know, just keeping you eased into the film, really. But yeah, I don't know. Like I saw, um, I I know you read the, um, the, Sh yeah. the Schrader, um, talk about the transcendental style. He actually touched on exactly what you're talking about, and I was mm -hmm. just about to bring it up. Um, so, uh, it's been like a few days since I've read it, so just forgive me if I misinterpret what mm -hmm. uh, Schrader was saying. But basically. He was talking about those little interludes between scenes and um, he had a really beautiful way of putting it um, in context with uh, the sort of art and culture that Ozu grew up with in Japan, 
where he was discussing how haikus and zen and all sorts of Japanese art um, is more about the spaces and silence in between. Mm-hmm. And that Ozu sort of takes that to the visual level with these yeah. films where it's it's not about it's not about the characters necessarily it's not about what's happening to them it's about the sort of silence that pervades in their lives and in um all of nature really mm-hmm. um sometimes it's melancholy sometimes it's just at peace with the world um and sometimes it it just finds true joy in it and um this is definitely one of the more melancholy ones, uh, considering the yeah, plot. Um, for sure. But what's great about it, and you and you said this, and I, I really, I really like what you said about this, um, mm. is that it never hits you over the head with it ever. No, which is so refreshing to see. Absolutely, it's just um, just a subtle sadness. Um, um, but yeah, before we wrap up the discussion on this, I would like to comment that I really love the way. That it's it just stops being about Tokyo halfway through. It's not about yeah. Tokyo at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just keeps going on and on and through this whole sort of process of 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 mortality and aging and mm-hmm. life and death. Um, I also wanted to comment on the fact that it's incredibly measured. Um, yeah. And you were saying this too about how it sort of keeps everybody sort of equal before its eyes, how it doesn't judge. For sure. And that really reflects in how. Um, Ozu was like a really precise director, so he would like literally measure how far people were from the camera, if I remember correctly. It's just a really good example of how you can take the mise-en-scene to reinforce Mm -hmm. the themes of the story. I think it is important at one point we at least talked about like the mise-en-scene of the film and of most of his films, so this one especially is just, you know, stunning. But um, it's weird because it's almost like I feel like it's counterintuitive to like quote-unquote his point to comment on how beautiful the filmmaking is and it is a very beautiful film but yeah i think that's just that's like the thing with it is i i I'm, it's not even like i'm like what he's doing is stripping away cinematic techniques to highlight human drama because he's not even doing that he's just highlighting human life in the most like honest and peaceful way i think he can and like it's like drama arises from it like it's he's like Mm -hmm. like i was saying like you were saying as well like again he never hits you over the head with it but it's like just i don't know like this this movie wasn't plotted it feels like this movie wasn't plotted to get to the end but that the end just Mm -hmm. happened you know and and everything before it definitely complemented it in the way of course life complements everything and you have baggage of certain things i don't know it's it's just it's just this movie that i like i look at and i respect is just like uh it, it's hard to describe but it's just one of the most realistic and like honest films i think i'll ever see and yeah i i think it even, even if you're someone that appreciates um um, like the virtuosity that can come with cinema and i am and i know a lot of people are obviously this is a really good Maybe counterpoint's the wrong word, but I'll use that. So yeah, overall, um, yeah, great movie. Really, yeah. just it's all right. So great, and oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I give it a zero out of ten. Yeah, I'm, of 10. I'm I'm thinking a I'm thinking a light six to a five. No, I'm I'm just kidding. Again, <laughs> uh, this is my top ten of all time. Light six to a light six to a strong eight. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, Tokyo Story, great movie. Everybody should watch it. Uh, I just mean generally speaking, like you should just watch it. Yeah. Like you don't have to even like it. Just yeah. go watch it. There's a chance and there's a good <laughs> chance you might not like it. I think most people will appreciate what it's getting at, but it's not this movie that's like, oh my God, Tokyo Story is going to blow you away because it's not. Yeah. Like it, it might in a really <laughs> contemplative way, like it might, I don't know, like as you keep thinking about it and how it doesn't deliberately want you to think about all that much, kind of, it's, it's, yeah, yeah sorry. I'm, it's oddly, it's kind of in, anti-intellectual in a way, you know? That's almost like what makes it intellectual, which is so weird, but I, I don't know, I, I just appreciate it. I appreciate the fact that I'll never be, at, but be able to have like a very concrete thing to say about this movie, but it'll always impress me and emotionally rivet me and i'll be able to come back to it at different times in my life and get more out of it and appreciate it in different ways and stuff so yeah Def- definitely and you know what else is emotionally riveting oh, Ooh. oh no <laughs> this Perfect one's segue. uh this one's a real sweet trip oh all right so Ooh. this is where the podcast so this takes is a, uh, a complete tonal shift if this you will. is where this is where we enter the 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 phantom zone of the oh. podcast uh, this is where things get uh pretty uh interesting and uh we fully explore what it means to watch both an ozu film and something made that was that was never meant to be made i mean that sarcastically <laughs> oh man like uh, when we were it's watching sweet. it sorry go ahead uh, no, go ahead, say it. Well, yeah, okay, well, I guess before we introduce the movie, which, you know, we've said, but uh, as we were watching it, you made a good point. You're like, I don't think, this is you speaking, I don't think I could have paired two different movies. Like, we're talking about how honest and reserved and mature and human Tokyo Story is, and this is just... It definitely runs the whole spectrum. Oh, that's I, for I, sure. That's for sure. Um, so a little preface about, uh, Sweet Sweetback's badass song, uh, that will make it a little easier to understand if you can understand it. Which you can't. Which you can't, which we'll make very clear in a second. So, this guy named Melvin Van Peebles, right? (laughs) He was making movies back in the 70s. He directed this one movie in particular called Watermelon Man. And it's about this white dude who wakes up one day and he's a black man and he wanted to make it more sort of extreme black power oriented. And of course, studio said, no, can't do that. White people won't want to watch it. Blah, 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 blah. So oh, the he was 70s. Like, oh, the 70s. <laughs> what great times. <laughs> oh, um, but anyway, yeah. So he was like, uh, screw that. I'm going to go make my own movie and it's going to be oh. awesome. And crazy and experimental and radical. It, what we got out of that was Sweet Sweetback's badass song. Now, if you'll notice, there's about a third of the budget of this movie was donated by uh, Bill Co- well loaned, I should say, loaned by Bill Cosby. Oh. Uh, and I and I don't know I don't know why he took a particular interest in this film because it's completely <laughs> contrary to every single value he seemed to espouse during his. Uh, you know, time in the spotlight, so to speak. Obviously, things have changed since then. But anyway, but anyway, yeah. um, 
What is the plot of this movie? Great question. <laughs> it's about I, many things. But I think it, I, I think I think I, I everything think, and nothing at the same time. Kind of. I think I have a handle on this. I think I can explain. Right. Go ahead. Maybe you'll find out some things. So <laughs> sweet sweet back is my brain just broke. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, no, so... The podcast is over. We can't the podcast is over. No, uh, Sweet Sweet Back is this um, male gigolo performer of sorts who's putting on shows for different people in his community, white, black, whatever, um, generally sort of like a sex slave. I'm not sure. Uh, it's kind of not very clear if he's yeah, like... A- I- I think he's like a performer at the brothel that he was raised in. I might be yeah. wrong. He was abandoned as a as a child. Uh, but yes. we'll get more to that in a second. Oh, oh god, um, will we? Will we ever? <laughs> um, but anyway, one day he is taken by the cops. They say to him, you know, we'll just let you go. You just got to do some like night in jail. Obviously, since this is um, a radical black power film that does not turn out to be the case. Um, and not. on the way to the police station, they arrest a black power um, uh, leader called Mumu, um, or at least not a leader, but a revolutionary. In front of Sweetback, they beat him um, pretty badly. So he decides to take his revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the police discover that he has brutally beaten these policemen, and then he's a man on the run trying to evade all of the law and the cops and, you know, crazy-ass bikers and all this, all these different sort of hellish, racist, white-powered um, systems that are keeping him down. Yep. Uh, and that's pretty much just, like, the setup to it. Mm-hmm. Now, what actually happens in the movie is a little more complicated. To um, say the least. Because this whole movie is obscured and intentionally obscured i should add behind all of these different strange filmmaking and editing techniques that make it almost um almost incomprehensible almost uh, incomprehensible leo will disagree leo will disagree. <laughs> i was gonna say i mean like again if i was not watching this with you i would have no clue what was going on at all like not a single clue because I, I'm, I'm going to use a phrase here, which it, um, I don't know if it's like an established phrase or something, but uh, cinematic clarity. Now, that doesn't mean, like, it, that's not like a textbook term or anything, but I, it's, it's not something you often think about, because I think people take it for granted. Usually, you just understand, like, I don't know, because even if you watch, like, in an in absurdist movie or a surreal movie... Like, I don't want to say you understand, like, what's going on, but, like, you see what's going on, at least. This movie is, like, I've yeah, never seen... This schizophrenic. ...with less, like, cinematic clarity than this one. So, uh, again, this is a spoiler discussion for Sweet Sweetback's badass song. So, I think yes. I think we, we just... I think it's best we just start at the beginning. So, we just start at the beginning. So, you know what... <laughs> I'll take the L on this one. Okay, I'll take okay. the L. So we start with um, uh, a very enchanting scene. 
Mm, sure to lure in any viewer, I'm sure. Um, how do I phrase this? Uh, so basically, we start us we start on Sweetback as a kid, mm-hmm. and he's he's it's implied he's an orphan that's being raised in this brothel we've already mentioned. Yes, by um, grown women. He's like maybe like ten to fourteen, anywhere in that age range. We couldn't really tell. Yeah. Um. Definitely no and, older than fourteen. I would say closer to ten. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> anyway. Uh, after a few opening shots, we get him in a room with one of the prostitutes at the brothel. And, uh, yeah, she seduces him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, not only does she seduce him, but they don't cut away. No. They show everything. Including. It's it's not like, including his, um, yeah, his part. Yes. This so, is right very away, clearly a child actor, and they just show him <laughs> completely nude, and then he just starts having sex with the woman, like, on screen. Yes. Like, it is, this is the most cinematic clarity throughout the whole movie. Why they made this the most clear scene, I will never understand, but it is the opening, so. Yes, it is shown in uh, shocking detail. <laughs> Shocking detail. Now I understand the point of this scene. Yes, Don't get me wrong. Me too. It's very oh, it's very clear what they're saying. Very clear. I don't know how you can mistake it for anything else. Oh yeah. But man, is it jarring. I mean wow. I, I like I like that the fact that this movie is jarring. It's pretty extreme. It's pretty off putting <laughs> at first. And um despite all this, about thirty minutes into the movie. I had to remind you that that even happened because the movie is so batshit insane that that became inconsequential in our memory. And you might be thinking, oh, God, well, does it up the antics in terms of graphic, uh, I don't know, uh, the crudeness? No, it's just like... uh, uh, Nothing worse happens than that. No, no, no. Nothing worse. That's definitely the most, like on paper disturbing thing to happen like there's a few like you know fights and killings and stuff but obviously nothing worse than seeing an a young child's genitalia and seeing him having sex with an older woman which also is of course very eloquently made into a montage where he then in that same position on that same bed with that same woman grows up in front of our very eyes so then we get a, a few cutaways and, and whatever it's the a, hell this movie uses for editing. Um, it's and... ephemeral. It's ephemeral. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> no. Okay, so quickly after that, we kind of cut to him performing in the modern day. And um, the whole... This is where, like, the editing and the rhythm sort of, like, really starts getting into the groove that it settles into the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, except for like a couple exceptions, which we'll which we'll get to. Yeah. Which is that bunch of really rapid fire cutting around this room where we see all these people sort of watching Sweetback um, perform a sex act, and uh, in, in a very confusing fashion where you see lots of very similar looking people um, in different positions, and you see Sweetback behind the scenes and then in the scenes. It's made extremely unclear as to what exactly is going on it's more it's more sort of about the feeling of the moment and yeah. like being inside sweetback's head and 
uh, it's kind of at this point where it becomes extremely stream of consciousness where you gotta you yes. really gotta keep up with like what's going on if you want to understand it or you can just let it sort of wash over you yeah um, as like uh, <laughs> you're experiencing exactly what this character is psychologically speaking yes um yeah i I, I, I'm pretty sure Sweetback in that scene is dressed as a woman, dressed as a man, I think. I, at first, he, like, yes. he comes out like with a fake beard and a fake hat and like a, a big puffy coat as if he, someone dressed as a man, <laughs> takes it off, and he has like a bra on and stuff, and then <laughs> takes that off, and he's just a dude, and I'm like, okay, what, yeah. what is going on? But, I mean, listen. But I'll, somehow... Somehow they make him look like he has a big rack, and I'm not sure how they did that. Yeah, I was thinking like, that too, because when that happened, I was like, wait, hold on. <laughs> it's, it's very <laughs> odd, but, you know, I feel like if we get hung up on, on things of that magnitude, we'll be here for days describing this film, because I guess that the basic plot is, um, after he he um, beats up the cops, does, I, I think he kills them. Well, he beats up the cops um, to save the, um, is it... The, the Black Panther? The Black Panther. Yeah, yeah a, bl- a Black Panther leader, right? And then he, the rest of the movie is basically just him evading the cops, and he escapes, like, uh, he goes to, like, a Hell's Angels um, uh, Well, you're forgetting, you're forgetting two things that happened before that. Well, yeah, yeah, so yeah. First, I just wanted so to first... kind of briefly describe, like, I, I guess the whole thing is um, he, he flees, and he ends up going to Mexico, is, 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 is our plot line, so to speak, but we can go back to specifics, I apologize. Yeah, he's trying to, yeah, you're right, though, we should define, he is trying to escape to Mexico specifically. Yes. Like, that is, like, the end goal of this, and it'll, it'll, it'll make a little more sense once we get to, like, the last 20 minutes or so. Yeah, as Wikipedia Um, said, by the way, none of this is, like, communicated in the movie at all. So first, he runs... He runs. First, he runs. He runs. Oh, does he he run? sure as hell runs. And <laughs> at this point, I think you started to get lost in what was going on. Yeah. Yes, very much so. I was just like, okay. Yeah. Because we keep alluding to these cinematic techniques, but like, it'll. You'll have like the four jump cuts of like the same thing, <laughs> then it'll cut to people like mid-sentence saying something that you don't know what they're saying and then it just cuts away to something else and by the way the the music really quickly is uh done by um earth wind and fire and i believe this is before unknown at the time unknown at the time and wow was this a risk because the music is just completely off the walls like it's it's pretty it's good but it's like a bunch of different instruments and tracks all playing different things at the same time the music will just dead cut it'll start overlaying <laughs> over something else and it's just all just like it's a bombardment but it is exciting yes <laughs> if nothing else it's exciting yes so yes but not only does it cut to like random people it'll just cut to random things where yeah not only is it just like a random image, but the, it's also like with a f- strange filter over it. That's like yeah, I was gonna say that too. Inverting the colors, it'll be like thermal so, filter or something, okay, so like kind of a first, Godard movie. Yeah, it's like Godard, if but if he was like Black Power. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so first he goes to his friend's house, um, who may or may not be his pimp. I'm not entirely sure, but I think I'm pretty sure that was his pimp. Oh. Um, and he meets him and he says, I can't hide you here, man. You got to go somewhere else. And uh, then he takes a poop. Um, yeah. <laughs> then he, on camera. He's just, they're just having a, a shit. It's so Which weird. Is, 
pretty great moment <laughs> it's so weird but then he goes outside um and these two cops corner him and i have to mention like once again the strange mise-en-scene so <laughs> he walks outside and we get a bunch of cuts cutting around to the cops in different positions um and then they slowly start talking to him but we don't see them together and then he sort of assaults them too uh and mm-hmm. leaves there Yep. Then he goes to probably what is my favorite part in the movie, uh, which is the church scene. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's just so weird. Like every scene of this movie could would be the most weird, insane, notable scene of any other movie. It came to a point where by the end of the movie, we were just sitting here like, I don't know what could possibly happen right now that could be jarring that would make us be like wait hold on what the fuck like literally anything you could possibly (laughs) fathom would be like normal course for this movie to just do aside from maybe just slow down and tell a story normally (laughs) like every time every time you start to like a scent like a a sort of like scent of a story it just breaks it again and again and again or an idea Um, of like what this movie is supposed to look like or feel like and then it's just like i i don't i don't hate this movie by the way i want to clarify it might sound like i'm like (laughs) like mad at this movie i'm just baffled like i'm just genuinely baffled i'm so happy i saw it i'm so so happy i saw it yes so yeah he goes into this church and this this priest is giving this very confusing sort of speech and once again, we have all these cuts back and forth. And this is where sort of like the church music gets introduced, which will come up a little later. But this is very yeah. important that you remember I mentioned church music. Yes. So <laughs> he comes in and there is like a bunch of different shots of the church and the of people sitting there singing church songs. The slow, But the camera slowly pans around and we see possibly the greatest costume ever designed oh by God. man. Which is the preacher is sitting there, uh, standing there in uh, a zebra hat and a zebra suit, like doing this whole sort of big motion speech talking about um, they're eulogizing somebody. I should probably mention. Yeah. Um, Who? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you know. <laughs> but yeah, that's all but, I had to yeah, say. <laughs> at that point, <laughs> at that point. I think my brain broke because they have, he and Sweetback have a discussion and the discussion just goes to so many strange places and for so long, it's just lingering on the shot of him and it kind of just like at that point, at that point you're either in it or you're not. And that's like the point where it's like, (laughs) oh, this is just the movie now. That's the witness test. This is this is the le- this is the rest of my hour. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I might have checked out a little earlier than you. <laughs> like I mean that that was just other like, oh god, what's happening now? Because you know it had still been like twenty minutes. I wasn't like completely submitted, but I guess I would agree with you that that's the point where it's like, all right, okay. It's so hard to describe this movie. I, I I'm, can't. Like, I'm saying what's happening, but that doesn't like that doesn't. No. Like, literally, some of what you're saying, I'm trying to think, like, did I see that, too? Like, like I don't even remember a specific super long shot on his face, because there's just so much going on that probably within the next five seconds, there was something even more notable. There was, like... Yes. This, and, okay, also, one thing. I don't think Sweetback speaks one time in this whole movie. I'm pretty sure he is no, a he silent doesn't. protagonist. He's a, pl- and, he's a pretty silent protagonist. 
you know, we love a silent protagonist as us, us film bros, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and not, not that that's relevant to any point I was going to make. It's just, you know, something notable. I, I guess yeah. I could say that everyone else that speaks, their dialogue is just of what it is. It is just as strange as everything else in this movie. And I wish I could describe it in a way that at least explains like anything in this movie, <laughs> the music, the editing, the cinematography, the acting, the writing, the, the structure, like, because I, I was talking to you when we were watching, I said, is there any aspect of this movie that isn't batshit insane? Like, not necessarily bad, but just insane. Like, off course. I could not think of anything. Like, you said sound design. No. And I was like, even then, I don't know. Like, there will be moments where, like, it's out of sync. And then again, oh. it, like, something will just be really oh, loud and you don't know what it is. And then it'll just cut out and music will just come in and the music will just blah, yes. go everywhere. It's crazy. Like the fact that this was the first black exploitation movie, and it spawned the important genre that it did, blows my mind. And I, I respect the hell out of it for that. But like, wow. Like, how did? Like, I, I know that this wasn't like necessarily a, like a marketable thing. Like, black exploitation movies weren't like you know breaking the box office or anything. But I guess maybe it's just they admired they made the a boldness. Ton of money, by the way. Oh, really? I didn't actually know that. Interesting. They made uh, okay. So the budget. Let's just clarify this because this is important. Okay. Uh, the budget was one hundred fifty thousand. Uh, pretty okay. cheap even for back then. Yeah. Um, but the box office was fifteen point two million. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So it actually. It actually was like over a hundred times the budget. Think about that for a second. That was a massive profit. Bravo. My Bravo. lord. I, I, I mean, I respect anybody in the 70s who saw this. Like, I, 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 of course, see, like, this is in a lot of ways very liberating, a very liberating film, especially, like, being the first black exploitation. Yeah. I could imagine it being so, especially at the time. And, of course, there's all this, you know, um, like we were saying, like, you know, uh, he is dressed as a woman, dressed as a man in, in some scenes. And there's a lot of weird... Um, uh, queer stuff going on as well, you know. Uh, weird. Uh, I'm not saying weird because it's, you know what I mean. It's it's a weird movie. Okay, it's everything just playing, in this movie it's is just weird. playing with like gender. And all. It's playing yes. with every sort of like in a weird norm. way. Yes. Um. In a in a ble- very oblique way. Yeah. 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 Um. But I, I was trying to think. What, what were we like? I I don't I don't know. Sound what design. Other person and I wanted actually... to... Go ahead. Sound design. Let's okay. talk about one very important moment of sound design and image design as well. Let's All talk right. about the part where they get to the motorcycle club. <laughs> I think at that I point, was gonna bring this okay. Up so I, point. I said earlier with the church scene that that um that that had broken me. Well, mm-hmm. this rebroke me. This yeah. took me to a whole new this astral plane. Put us back apart point, and the then film, broke us again. This film eroke This film irrevocably fractures at this point into so many disparate images and sound cues and ideas. Yes. Where, okay, so he, he sort of, like, goes to this abandoned building to, like, seek refuge overnight at one point. And it turns out there's this biker gang there. And they sort of challenge him to some sort of thing. Um, I forget exactly. Um, and I don't even um, have a clue. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like a solid ten minutes where it just it just stops dead in its tracks. Have all these overlapping images of 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 motorcycles and people moving through this this abandoned building at the motorcycles, mm-hmm. and on top of it, there's like all these 
gunning engines of motorcycles. Yep. Just sort of perpetually making this horrible noise as people talk and talk and talk and about nothing. And it, it just keeps going and going. It and it goes so long. And then when it finally gets to the point where it stops, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Reality. Exists. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Like, it feels like, I mean, I I haven't done psychedelics but like man like i'm not saying that's what this looks like but just uh, like just this like it took me out of reality like you were saying and what was i gonna say um and it's it's completely arrhythmic of course we've probably like harped on that but if, if you're hearing us talk about it and thinking like oh man this is like you know it's like edgar wright right he's putting all these sounds and stuff it could not be farther. Like, it is just absolutely bombarding you with, like, oh, my God, wait. So, uh, what is this going in front of me? And, and also, in this scene, which, like, this this is, like, the third time in the movie this happens. That everybody just kind of, for no plausible reason that I can identify, just kind of gathers around uh, this woman that just walks up and she just takes her all of her clothes off and she just lays down. And Sweetback just walks up and just starts having sex with her. And, like, this is, I'm pretty sure, the first time he's ever been to this place. And, again, I have no idea, like, what their attitude is about him. Like, if, you know, they're like, hey, get off our, uh, get out of our place or, or anything. This just happens. And then they're all, like, well, cheering. And there's also, like, four. And when you say um, fracturing, like, you mean literally fracturing. There are, like, four yes. images of it happening of the same camera angle all at the same time, half of them like pause at a certain moment, and the other half, the camera's moving a little oh, bit, yes, and it's like a different talking. moment in time. I <sighs> forgot about the freeze frames. I totally forgot about. Yeah, the freeze exactly. Frames. There's literally moments where it'll <laughs> freeze frame and then overlap the same scene, but like a little bit off, and then do it again, and like, and then the music's just going nuts, and like, the, and the color will change. I just, it is insane. It is just insane. It's, yeah. Okay, okay, we're going we're going for a little long, so I know. Let's talk I'm about sorry. let's talk about two more things and then okay. let's wrap it up. First All right. I wanna talk about the part and these two scenes happen back to back and they're really short, so we won't spend too much time. Okay, we need to talk about the cop scene and we need to talk about the scene that immediately follows it where they arrest the dude they think is sweet back. Oh man, which one? <laughs> Wait, where is this So okay, so the cop is talking to them mm-hmm. uh, to all of his different officers. He gathers them in a room. Oh, and he says, <laughs> oh we need to catch this guy. And then he like um says, Oh, this guy's a really bad guy. All these and then he j- says the N word. All these N words. Yes. Uh yeah, are Very ripping up art. shit and killing people. And stuff. Um, and you can clearly see that he's talking to two black gentlemen as, who are officers as well. And he comes up to them afterwards and he says, uh, you know, I wasn't really I wasn't talking about you guys specifically. It's comedy so, gold right there. It's so like, bizarre. Legitimately, that, that sequence isn't even that jarring. It's just really good. Like I know it's, because it's actually really straightforward. That's another one of those very like weird moments. Again, like I don't know why the the weirdest moments out of context have to be filmed the most like just kind of mundanely. Like again, the beginning where we see um, a little kid having sex. Oh, by the way, which you didn't mention is the director's son. It's the yeah. director's son. He cast his son to get 
full like frontal nude on camera and have sex with a woman. He was like ten. But anyways, that that's in the past. We're we're on we're on to some crazier <laughs> shit, right? So it's so weird because it's just this moment where like the police are all talking and everything's very heightened in this movie. Now the dial the dialogue is the farthest from realism. Like talk about different from Tokyo story. But um, then he's just kind of talking to the, the cops, and like you said, he, he's like, oh, man, you know, these N-words or something, you know, very hard R. And then I'm uh-huh. thinking, like, oh, man, like, you know, that was, I guess that was pretty jarring. Um, but I don't know. I, I assumed it would kind of just be brushed over. But it's like, it's almost like the movie stopped to recognize, like, the audience, like, us specifically in the audience were watching, like, oh, man, that should happen. When he literally, like, the movie just slows down, he just talks to cops, it's like, by the way, when I said that word a second ago, I didn't really mean it like that. And you're just like, wait, hold on. What the fuck? It's so weird. Like, everything in this movie is It's great. No, it's great. No, it, it no is that's great, the one part that's coherent. <laughs> but it's so weird that, like, those are the two coherent parts. is like saying, like, the Edward and elaborating why he shouldn't. And then also, like, a, a kid having sex with someone. I, this movie is, is incredible. <laughs> It's satir. It's the no. That's even. That's even better because the very next scene, the cops barge in and they see this black woman sleeping with this white woman, and this black man sleeping with this white woman. Apologies, mm-hmm. um, and they think it's Sweetback, and they beat him up for a bit, and they realize, oh, it's not Sweetback, and they're like, oh, we don't care, and they keep beating him, and I'm like, yeah, oh my gosh, if anybody could sum up like, like sort of the black experience of the time, like living in that sort of environment of the, you know of the urban city like mm-hmm. it, like that's those are the two perfect scenes you put together like it's those gotta be extraordinary well it's just there and you have to like deal with it yeah the last part i want to talk about is of course the ending yeah um so throughout this whole ending he finally sort of gets down to the southern border and he's like trekking through the desert and it's very sort of of course surreal um and he's kind of going crazy with delusion um, and the reason I brought up the church music year is earlier because at this point, the the sound, the music editing just goes totally schizo where every other second it's starting this funk beat. And then it goes into like some sort of like, like R&B thing. And then it, and then it cuts back to this church song over and over so it cuts back to the same church song they were singing earlier over and over throughout this last 20 minutes. It cuts back to this church, this, this church song as he stumbles through the desert and just tries to survive. Um, mm-hmm. And the song, uh, the song's lyrics particularly stand out to me uh, where they oh, talk man. about they bleeding his brother um, and bleeding his sister, bleeding his family, obviously talking about, obviously talking about slave times um, yeah. where brutalizing of black people was commonplace. And it's, it's it's very clear what he's trying to say here that like putting black people like Sweetback on the run yeah. like constantly is essentially the same as bleeding them out in slavery. For slavery. Sure. He gets chased down by the police um, after some weird escapades and finally escapes across the border, swearing to return to collect some dues. But he doesn't like yeah. say it out loud. In the most jarring moment of the film, somehow this is the most jarring thing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and this is the moment where I think we just lost it entirely and started giggling like hyenas. Yeah, it does a weird snap zoom up to a shot of the mountains, and there's like text that appears on screen that says, uh, "That details exactly what I said." Where it's yeah. like, "I'm gonna come back to return my dues." 
And then with, with no moment to process it, the credits just roll. And we were both just like, what? Like, I don't know where this movie was supposed to end, like how it was supposed to end, but I guess I wasn't expecting that. But then again, I wasn't expecting anything. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, I guess you were kind it's of insanity. saying it a second ago. Yeah, absolute insanity. Um, that's one thing, um, definitely going for this movie, is um, I can tell, like, you can obviously tell that this is not just, well, it kind of is, but it's not just, like, a bunch of batshit craziness. There, It's definitely supposed to be in some, like, you know, a- empowering um, towards a marginalized community and be this sort of liberating voice. And a lot of times it is, I think. Um, and there will be, like... Like, I think, I don't know if it's, it's like before the biker scene when he just starts talking to this guy that we don't ever know that he's met. And he just starts like out of nowhere saying these like, uh, trying to say these like really potent things about, you know, the African-American experience and all this stuff. And like you were saying, like the, mm. the whole, the lyrics of um, draining the blood and stuff. So there's definitely that there. It's just, it's communicated in just the most unique way I've ever seen. And wow, I just like for the yeah. '70s, especially. I'm just I was I was blown away to say the least. It feels like a fever dream. It really just puts you in the shoes of like how hellish it was, for, I mean, and still is to a degree for you know disadvantaged communities. You know what? And I'll, you have I'll to admire. That. What? Sorry, what were we gonna say? I was just saying, like, I'll take that. Like, actually, you know, if that's what he was going for, then bravo <laughs> because i was yeah. like what the fuck is going on and if that's what he was trying to communicate then he did it expertly he's obviously implying like this is sort of the life that people are forced into when their families are so broken and they just have no sort of restitution really and you said earlier that the dialogue was unrealistic i wouldn't say it was unrealistic i think a lot of that interpretation has to do with the delivery of the actors because okay. I, fe- I have a feeling like a lot of these people weren't actually actors and they were just like people he knew mm-hmm. um, which kind of sort of throws you off a bit but I I thought it really paid attention to detail in terms of like how people sort of talked back then especially I mean obviously I don't know too much about this because like I'm not you know black and i didn't live in that yeah. time in the 70s um yeah. but it seemed pretty like it, it seemed like they paid like a good attention to detail i wasn't thinking like oh this is so unrealistic in terms of like what they were saying to each other it was more yeah. so everything else <laughs> yeah you know what? i think i take that back because i think it's actually kind of both because there's a lot of moments where people are just talking just like what just talking and i think those are the moments you're talking about where they actually feel realistic we just have no idea what they're talking about and they're just kind of going about yeah. something any sweeping conclusions about this film um just go watch it uh go watch it talk yeah. to me about it i i'm here anybody <laughs> listening if you know me if you know tommy and you watch this movie and you're thinking i can't currently exist because i don't know what real- reality is supposed to be uh, reach out a hand to us because we will accept it and be like we understand let's talk about it we're here to we're here to support you through this watch of, of sweet sweet we, yeah, we've been song. through it yeah i mean if you're down i would love <laughs> to do like a commentary track of this or something just i feel like that that oh, will certainly. maybe be a better um recap so now on to the last part of the show 
and we've turned we turned out to have a lot to say about this movie that yeah i kind of expected kind of didn't expect so who knows what will make it into the final cut yeah. of this but I hope uh, me too <laughs> but anyway <laughs> let's compare these two films for a second every single similarity i'm about to bring up they're there they're there across the movies but they go in completely different directions but it's still amusing to think about so first both of these movies open with shots of children and then there's a train that is true so this so, so there's children at the beginning of both mm-hmm. of these movies um in tokyo story they're going to school it's implied um with sweetback he's you know at the brothel the girl all the um older prostitutes are laughing um around him then we get an image of the train in you know tokyo obviously that's like the train they're arriving on um then in sweetback we get a shot of somebody running away from a train Mm -hmm. both of these um sort of immediately set the tone like any good opening shot sort of establishing the sort of culture we're about to yep. witness in both movies. Of course, they're totally opposite in 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 Japan. It's like completely normal. Yep. <laughs> and then in um um in Sweet Sweetback, it's like, wow, how much has society de- de- just degenerated for yeah. these people? Um. So that's the first mm-hmm. one I noticed. Second one, um, challenging in content toward cultural values okay. that's um, true i think you can agree Absolutely, with that right? yeah yeah you know tokyo story both challenges the traditional family and like sort of the modern family that was rising For out sure. of the ashes sweet sweetback also challenges a lot of cultural values um by showing how this idealized version of america just isn't mm-hmm. true etc cetera, etc cetera. um and then they're also both challenging in form of course in completely yes. opposite ways um, but both of them are toward what you'd expect from a movie. Um, you know, Yashijiro Ozu strips it down. He removes all cinema from his pictures. Well, not all cinema, but you know what yeah. I mean by that. While Melvin Van Peebles just creates the perfect anti-film. Piles it on. <laughs> Where it's just like so jarring and distracting yes. that it's like, is this... Is this a is this yeah. a movie? Is this a movie? Yes, <laughs> of course it is. But is it is it really? It's something. <laughs> they both defy cinematic conventions to 100%. challenge the audience, and it kind of like has a good marriage between them. Both of them are really sad movies. Okay, okay. I can, <laughs> um, I can see what you're saying. I mean, Tokyo Story for the obvious <laughs> reasons. Um, there's definitely. A, a sadness that could be uh, interpreted from Sweetback. You know, it's a, it's, it's a tragic, tragic, um, you know, a set of events that's going on. I mean, again, he's he's, he's saving his fellow disenfranchised um, African American person. You know, um, and then he's he's evading yeah. uh, law enforcement for the rest of the movie, and you know, he's he's committing violent crimes throughout it, but obviously, it's justified. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a sadness there. And yeah. at the end, you know, we see him literally running through the desert in Mexico and he's drinking dirt water out of the ground. And like all of this is just because, you know, he, he's stuck up for someone against some cruel cops. So 
there's definitely that sadness to it. Yeah. But he's also a badass along the way. I mean, listen, man's sleeping with every woman he lays oh, yes. eyes on. And... They're definitely different in their conclusions where, like, Tokyo Stories, like, resigns it. Yeah. You know, to so its fate. Sweet Seaback is, like, empowering. Yes. Like, it says, like, we can overcome this if we just, you know, we fight hard enough. But, yeah, it is really just sad watching him be constantly pursued. Yeah, that's true. Like, just constantly, over and over. There's, like, no break for this guy. Um, both are very urban films. Oh, okay, yep, I'm there with you. Yes, um, Sweet Sweetback is opposite of Tokyo Story once again. Shows a messy and filthy city. Um, meanwhile, Tokyo Story sort of shows how it's taking over mm-hmm. modern life. So they're both actually kind of holding it con- in, in contempt gotcha. as well. They're both showing like how the rot and decay has started like destroying a lot of these um not just values but like ways of yeah. life i i do i do find it interesting that um every comparison point we're making and i think they're incredibly valid i i commend the hell out of you but are, are essentially just axes that we can say they both land on but every single time we have to clarify that they are one like directly opposed on the polar end of each side yes and that is why this is a perfect, yes this is what makes it interesting it's perfect podcast it's perfect Okay, this one is less abstract. Uh, both of them have parts where people pretend not to know the main character. Oh, you know what? I think I know what you're talking about in Tokyo Story. Is that the... Yes. Because, okay, I, I just rewatched it today. Is that the moment where um, the parents walk in and the ladies at the hair salon and she's like, oh, it's just some whoever's... These are just wow, some friends, I yes. Right side. Yes. Remember that. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what in Sweetback. Let's see. Oh, they, yeah. He, I, all, they, they go up to all of his friends yeah. and they say, hey, do you know Sweetback? Yeah, and yeah. Like, no. I was going to say, that's probably just throughout the movie, especially the scene where um, the, the guy on the toilet in the beginning, where they go to his house. And um, this is another a, a very specifically uh, jarring cinematic moment. Oh yes, we uh, forgot to mention that the police are interrogating him, and the interrogation is literally just, "Where is he? Where's Sweetback? Where's Sweetback?" Like, like for like five minutes straight, and it's him just going, "I don't know." And they shot, they shoot off guns beside his it's, head and deafen yeah, him. Literally, and so that doesn't happen after like a while though, because all, again, all they're saying is, "Where's Sweetback? Where's?" Sweetback? And he's like, oh, "I don't know, I don't know." And then they shoot a gun next to his ear, and obviously that deafens one ear, and the the film goes like silver and reddish, and there's blaring shriek noise and all that and then they do it on the other ear and it's just it's insane but yeah so okay i see what you're saying I, again yes. i'm very surprised i thought of the tokyo story moment but it's definitely there now there's no thematic there's no thematic depth to any no, of these moments they're, they're just, just there. there it just um, happens so it's just unlike the other ones we mentioned so far um broken families okay yeah that's true um yeah. death both do have yep, broken families. Uh, again, in very different ways. Uh, Tokyo Story's family is uh, technically built, but, you know, very reservedly broken. Um, and uh, Sweetback has no family to speak of. Uh, biologically, that is. he, From everything we see from him, is raised in a brothel. And has sex yes. <laughs> with some of the older women when he's a kid. So, you know. Yes, and it's sort of implied his mom had to give him up because we do cut to her later oh, in the movie. Oh, that's right, yeah. And and she repeats like three times that like she had a kid named Leroy, which mm-hmm. is his real name. But yes, uh, I was actually also specifically thinking 
of the son that died in Tokyo yeah. Story. But yeah, they are both like sort of estranged from their parents. Obviously, we focus on like um, sort of an individual son in Sweetback, but in Tokyo Story, we focus on the family unit. Um, but both sort of are estranged. <clears throat> they both make heavy use of irony. Pretty easy yep. to point out. Um, not even that differently, even. Actually, they kind of point out the total hypocrisy of their culture. Like, um, I'm specifically thinking of the part in Tokyo Story where his eldest daughter tells him to live long and take care of himself. Then the instant he leaves his room, she's like, I wish he had died yeah, first. No, yeah, there's, a, there's definitely... Um, <laughs> Um, a uh, d- deep irony to Tokyo Story in that regard, where it's it's all you know very proper and everyone's. Um, I think I read in like Ebert's review that um, oftentimes like it's like a family will, um, speaking broadly, like a, a resort to you know small talk about how their day was versus getting to some sort of emotional core. So it's very much a front they're all putting on that you know every everything's okay. We all love each other, and, and to some degree they do, but there's definitely. Yeah. Um, a, a quiet brokenness to their relationship and the um, attention and care they're willing to put into each other. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a couple others. I'll just run through real quick and then we'll end on. They're amusingly enough, they end on like, they start and end on the same exact thing. We'll get that in a second. Uh, both are sort of held back by forces out of their mm-hmm. control pretty clearly and what is in both you know illness and um, law enforcement uh characters are constantly held in contempt the children hold their parents in contempt at multiple times throughout the film um sweetback is held in contempt by the police um by various characters he meets pretty clear they both end on a very similar shot a landscape shot with a body of water okay interesting What's the um, what's yes. the body of water in Sweetbacks? Isn't it which is like a desert? Okay. River. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's where he gets yeah. like shot in the hand, right? Like that same river, or in, in the chest. I mean, I don't know why I said the hand. <laughs> um, I don't remember exactly where he was shot. In fact, I didn't remember that he was. Do you shot remember at where all? he's like hanging off of something, and then he just gets shot, and he drops to the ground? And I think I was like, that was a far drop. It's... That's earlier in the movie when that's earlier in the movie when they're yeah, on the and I was like, isn't his legs probably should have broken from that fall. Maybe not, but I, I don't know if you remember that moment. Yes. I think that's funny because while we were watching this, you said to me, oh, he got shot? Yeah, no, like, li- I, I did not <laughs> even I mean- remember it happening. There was just, like, near the end, he was, was laying on the ground. He was covering a wound. Which, by the way, what he did with the wound is he put a bunch of wet mud on, a, like, a shirt. And then, I mean, listen, I, I am, I'm not uh, a med student, but <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if this is the... The right oh, way yeah. to, uh, to deal with this, but he put a bunch of like dirt and mud on a on a shirt and then wrapped his. No, no, no! It. it wasn't just any mud. He oh, that's on right. The sand and then, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, no, he he pissed on the sand and then like scoops it up with his hands and puts it all over his bullet wound. Again, the bullet wound, I completely forgot where it came from, and not even forgot. I didn't even notice it happened. Yes. They're both so transcendental, <laughs> but in, in completely opposite, completely opposite ways. Yeah, we're, you get a completely different emotional. That's true. Experience. We're a Schrader's book on sweet, sweet back. <laughs> yeah, I need to like ring Honestly. up that old man, tell him to add a new section. Yeah. Yes. Well, 
Uh, it looks like we're wrapping up here. So awesome. I want to thank you once again, once again, Leo, for going through this experience with me. Of um, course. Taking some time to appreciate some keen. Absolutely. I am honored. Uh, yeah, I'd like to thank you so much for allowing me to be your first guest and giving me the opportunity to experience this um, monumental work of cinema. And of course, I am talking about Sweet Sweetback. I had already seen Tokyo Story. I, again, of course, I'm happy I watched it again, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't, I don't. What's the difference? I can't even tell them apart. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Um, I guess to wrap up my thoughts, I will definitely say uh, Tokyo Story, uh, not as good as of a film as Sweet Sweetback. <laughs> definitely replaced Tokyo Story on my top 10 of all time. I'll be updating my letterbox I soon. I believe I will take a snapshot of your letterbox uh, and send it around if you don't. All right, all right. I'll I'll do it. I'll do it. But that means you'll have to follow me on Letterbox. Uh, this will this will be the end. I'll just start plugging myself. Uh follow me on Letterbox uh at LAB underscore five two one. Uh yeah. I don't watch as many movies right now as I should be, but uh, I, I try to make my reviews entertaining, so yeah. Any other social media? Uh yeah, I mean um you can find me on Instagram at that same tag, LAB underscore 521. Um, at Twitter, at, I think it's just at Leo Bergmiller. I'm kind of new to Twitter-ish. But yeah, go ahead and follow me on stuff, people that are listening to this and don't know who I am and don't find me insufferable. You're um, a, a figure shrouded in mystique. <laughs> Thank you, know? you. You're welcome. Yeah, But anyway, uh, some of my thoughts. Man, oh man, I don't know if I could ever mm, comment fully on... Um, sweet, sweet back. Uh, so I'll leave that one to just say, you gotta watch it. Please, just watch please. it. Why haven't you watched it? I'll watch it with you. I mean, as long as you like, bring some popcorn. Yeah, and and maybe drugs. Yeah, I was but... gonna say and some tabs. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. I think that would probably just kill you or me or whoever's watching but, it. Like, it's just if you don't know what you're getting into. Yeah, it's. I feel like it would kill on you. Its own. Anyway, thank you guys for tuning yes. in. I hope this was a good experience for you. Leo, thanks again for coming of here. Of course, thank you. Uh, offering insight to two of the greatest films ever. Absolutely. <laughs> um, um, everybody, once again, go watch Tokyo Story. Uh, go watch Sweet Sweet Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, that will be all. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Nice. Hey, Tommy here. Uh, thank you guys once again for tuning in. This is my first time ever doing a podcast, so isn't that exciting? I hope to get better and better as the series goes on, and I cannot do that without your essential feedback, so please tell me what I am doing right, what I'm doing wrong, how I can get better. Um, it's really just sort of something I am trying out and I really enjoyed this for making this first episode, especially thanks to Leo, um, who, uh, forgot to shout out his own podcast, the dirty dog. Um, it's called Kino madness, a bracket style sort of competition tournament where he and a few friends get together and talk about the best movies of the past decade. Um, it's a great show. First couple episodes are already up on Spotify, and I might show up on. Who knows? They've invited me on. Uh, also, um, there are lots of things I am still 
figuring out like when will I upload I think it might be every two weeks like I said earlier but who knows I'll like and um, also I'm trying to sort of figure out what this show is going to be so I've already recorded the second episode already um, and it's actually somewhat different from this one so as the show evolves I hope that it becomes something even better also, I am on the lookout for some cool intro slash outro music, so if any of you are interested in composing something for this podcast, please let me know, because it would make uh, transitions a lot less awkward. Something sort of, you know, groovy, bassy, funky, um, so I can put a proper intro over it. I regret not being a- not being able to write a proper intro for this one, but I kind of wanted something... I don't know, sort of stylish or epic or serious or suspenseful um, that an overdramatic intro could go over. Maybe I'll come up with it myself. I don't know. But if you hear this and have a good idea, like, please hit me up. I would love to hear what you've got going. Uh, Anyway, yeah. Thanks again and have a great night.